Coming up next on the Cultural Connections Podcast, we'll be joined by Bob Kelly, Executive Director of New TV in Newton, Massachusetts. This episode is being recorded live on Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections Podcast. Before I introduce our guests to this evening, I want to remind all of our viewers that we are coming on here live on Wednesday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2021. And we are recording this live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So in other words, if you have questions you would like answered during the broadcast today, please feel free to comment below um, on the platform you're watching. For the first pl- uh, part of the show, we will, be do- we will be monitoring our Facebook feed. The second part will be the Twitter feed. And the last part of the show will be the YouTube feed. So for about a 30 to 40 minute broadcast, roughly about. Without further ado, let me introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Bob Kelly, Executive Director over at New TV in Newton, Massachusetts. We're going to be discussing community media today, specifically looking in depth into um, specifically issues of what community media is, what's currently happening with community media, what the the impact the COVID-19 pandemic had on community media, and the future of of community media. So uh, thank you, Bob, so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Um, so without further ado, let's, I guess let's start off with you telling our viewers a little bit about yourself before we get into what more, a little bit about a background on, before we get into a background on community media. Sure. Um, so many moons ago, I was uh, in the music business and worked for Don Law Productions here in the Boston area uh, and Tim Collins, uh, former uh, manager of Aerosmith. Um, so I traveled around a little bit when I had, my hair was your color. Um, and, uh, so I had an audio background and then, uh, got into cable television in 1990, um, and ran, uh, local channels in Waltham, Massachusetts, and then came over here, uh, in Newton, um, in 2008 and took over for a long time, uh, executive director, Paul Berg. So I've uh, been around cable television for 31 years now. And, uh, so I know a little bit about it, um, not everything, but a little bit. <laughs> a good amount, that's for sure. All right. Well, let, let, let's for our viewers that are watching this that don't really know. Let, let's start off with really, in a nutshell, what is community media for our viewers that really don't know what it is. Okay, so way back in the late seventies, early eighties, uh, cable television was born uh, to try to bring. Um, signals to uh, homes that were, you know, on the other side of a mountain and couldn't get the, the you know, the satellite or uh, antenna signals that were, you know, um, were, you know, servicing homes on the other side of the mountain. So a, a cable was brought over, I think it was in Pennsylvania, um, over the mountain in order to provide that. And that's kind of where cable television was born. In 1984, uh, the Cable Act uh, was created on, on a federal level um, in Congress and the FCC. 
And that said pretty much that cable operators, which we now know are, are Comcast or Verizon or RCN here in Massachusetts, Charter, uh, AT&T and the like, um, that they would provide 5% of their gross revenues for community television um, stations. Now, here in Massachusetts, I would say 90 to 95% of the 220 community media centers in Massachusetts are nonprofit organizations. So we would get 5% of everybody's cable bill to fund the operation. And what does that mean? Well, it started with just P for public. Um, and that was people like yourself, Brian, who would come in and learn how to use the equipment and then be able to express um, themselves, their First Amendment right. So rather than standing up on top of a milk crate in the middle of a common yelling, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, uh, you could go into the local community uh, television station, learn how to use the equipment and sit in a studio or take the camera home and then express yourself. Um, and it wasn't just about people sitting in the studio. It was also providing an opportunity for people to do uh, videos, documentaries and what have you about whatever topics they wanted. So that's how it started. Then the E and G was added, the educational and government channels, coverage of local meetings, city council, school committee, um, town meetings, board of selectmen meetings, high school sports, graduations, um, zoning and planning meetings. And, and so it's kind of grown more towards the G side um, over the years than, uh, than the P or E. So PEG, public educational government channels, are on cable television. Um, so what does that mean? So 5% eventually you know, was coming out of the cable operators gross revenues. Then they were able right around, I think 2001, pass that on to the consumer. So now you were actually paying for community television out of your bill. There was an additional line item added to your bill. Um, and then, there was capital dollars that were provided by the cable operator too, and they were uh, subsequently able to pass that along too. So that was the capital equipment budget that we were accustomed to. So as PEG television were, you know, kind of evolved over the years, um, you saw municipalities wanting to see more on the G side and less on the P and E side. So, um, but we've been able to preserve all three here in Newton. Um, but some communities have kind of transformed into pretty much government channels. Uh, the issue uh, on cable television though, is that when HD television came into play, we were on standard definition. So channel four was the local broadcast channel, uh, channel five, channel seven. So we had CBS, ABC, NBC. And then on channel eight was the local channel. So that was great when there was 60 cable channels, but when there was 600 to 1,000 cable channels right. and, and HD television was created, they never moved us up with the HD tier. So we stayed mired down still today. Most of us are still sitting down in channel 08 where nobody watches uh, because everybody's got a you know 75 inch TV with you know smart TV. <laughs> And they're watching all the HD channels and not SD channels. So we've lost viewership, we've lost relevancy. So we had to adapt um, and be able to provide content online as well. 
Right. And that's where we are today is, is we're really a content distributor mm-hmm. uh, of local programming. Um, and how we get that out is, you know, through cable, um, but also through, um, you know, broadband, through the internet and uh, Vimeo, YouTube, what have you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we, where we are today. We're, you know, we're called community media instead of public access. Right. So public access is kind of like Voldemort, you know, uh, right. we don't use that term anymore. <laughs> Um, it doesn't come off our lips, uh, so we're um, so we're called community media, and I think that's a, a you know a better um, term for who we are uh, than public access. Of course, of course. Well, well, moving forward here, and before actually we go further with the next question, I do want to remind our viewers here that are just tuning in with us that you're watching live. If you're tuning in on our live broadcast, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, May fifth, twenty twenty one on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Right now, we are currently monitoring our Facebook feed. So if you have questions and you'd like them answered about community media, anything related to community media, you can comment below on Facebook right now. And around 10, five, 10 minutes from now, we'll switch over to our Twitter feed and then monitor over to the YouTube feed to end with the last part of the broadcast. Uh, But with my next question, you're kind of bringing things into a perspective today. And Obviously, everyone that this this past over this past year has been a crazy year with the COVID nineteen pandemic. At what sort of impact has the COVID nineteen pandemic had on community media centers, um, and continue to since we're still not really out of this pandemic yet? So I think a lot of us, um, you know, wish we had Zoom stock uh, prior to the pandemic uh, starting. <laughs> um, so. Um, we're utilizing Zoom quite a bit. There's a lot of government meetings now that, you know, everything's virtual. So uh, we're covering more meetings than we did before because, we, you know, we couldn't get in those committee rooms where those meetings are. Now it's everything's done through Zoom. We're just capturing through Zoom, um, you know, the meetings and, and sharing that to our, our, our viewers. Um, so that's, you know, that's, I guess maybe the transparency in government thing is is being supported here through Zoom by us being the vehicle to provide those meetings uh, to viewers um, at home. Uh, again, that's online and and uh, and on cable. So um, that's the first thing we were able to you know purchase different equipment, uh, ring lights um, and cameras and tripods for people to take home. Uh, like yourself and 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 be able to sit there in the confines of your home, you know, safe um, and uh, and be able to put, you know, packages together, programs or shows uh, uh, together for, um, you know, your viewers and then send it back to us. So um, equipment purchases were different. Um, you know, we're all working virtually. Um, I didn't realize that I could work so well from at home. Um, uh, but you know, we all worked it out. And so now what we're doing is a mix of coming into the office and, uh, and working from home. Um, and that, you know, my, uh, my family would prefer me to come into the office and not be at home. I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm kidding, but the, the, uh, I think that's the initial part was that we were trying to figure out how to serve our our members and our viewers uh, properly uh, during the pandemic. And I think we've been very effective in, in providing them with content still. Absolutely. Um, so the, the next question here, and you alluded to this sort of at the beginning, um, a little bit earlier on, is about funding for community media centers. And one of 
their big ways of getting their funding, which I think you mentioned a little bit to you, is about franchise fees, which I think a lot of people tend not to know uh, what franchise uh, fees really are, and they see it on their cable bill, I think, a lot of the time, and they glance over, but they never really understand what a franchise fee is. Um, for the purpose for our viewers, can you explain, I mean, it's, it, obviously it's a source of funding for community media, can you explain a little bit more in depth on what franchise fees and how they help community media centers? Yeah, so going back to the Cable Act of 1984 and the Telecom Act of 1996, and I think there was another rewrite after that um, of the Telecom Act at some point in 2000, maybe. But there were 5% of everybody's cable bill was available for public educational and government channel support. Um, whether or not we got all 5%, depending on the community that your community media center is in, um, you know, remain to be seen, right? So here in Newton, we actually get four of the 5% and 1% is kept by the city of Newton uh, for their uh, uses. But um, that franchise fee is for the support of local channels. Um, and also a, a piece of it goes to the uh, FCC um, and maybe even in Massachusetts case, um, a portion of that would go to the DTC, the Department of Telecommunications and Cable, which is a division of uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So those fees are all wrapped into that local franchise fee um, uh, or uh, um, license fee, right? So that's, that's it. So those fees, much of that would come to us. Um, it originally came directly from the profits of the cable company because it's a rights of way thing, Brian. The, the cable companies back in 1984, when the Cable Act was written, the government said that if you are going to hang wires over the public roadways, you're going to pay a fee. Um, and that fee was for uh, public uh, educational and government channel support. So those wires are still hanging there whether it's cable television or broadband um, remains to be seen, but we, we look at those wires that provided cable television for many years from the street to the house, still hanging there, but now it's internet. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's coded differently, right? So, um, so that's it. Those fees are to support local um, community media um, and your federal and FCC and DTC. And now let's transition that into the fact as we look ahead here and what we're seeing is you mentioned that that's a big portion for community media centers to get that franchise fees and what and that obviously comes from a cable bill. Today what we're seeing is a lot of people because we're in this day and age where cable bills are exorbitantly high to afford to have the cost of cable in one's home either whether it be Comcast, Verizon, etc. And people are making the transition into a more of a less cost effective option to switch to a streaming network, streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu, uh, all of these different streaming net pl pl platforms that are becoming the new thing. Uh, obviously that must have some sort of impact on community media centers. What, what's being done uh, about that? Because obviously that, I would assume that that would hurt funding for community media centers. Yeah, good good transition, by the way. I, I like the segue. So um, we call those uh, Netflix and Hulu and you know Disney Plus and Peacock and Kindle uh, uh, digital products. So 
Um, as of August of 2020, there were 28 states that had a tax on digital products. So, and, and the analogy is, is if you went into Best Buy and you bought a DVD of a movie, uh, you would purchase it and pay sales tax, right? Um, or even if you went to the movie theater, you, the ticket included sales tax. Um, so those 28 states realized that Netflix was providing the same movie that you would buy at Best Buy or go to see at the cinema, and there was no sales tax. So now they've levied that sales tax against Netflix uh, for the services or, or products that they're providing the, the consumer. Um, Massachusetts is looking at that as well, um, and there's a bill H-130 um, that would levy a 5% tax on uh, streaming providers such as uh, Netflix, Hulu, and a portion of that would be available for community media, and a portion would go to uh, municipalities, and then a portion would go to the state. So of the 5%, 2% might be geared, uh, targeted for community media support, 2% for the municipalities that have the wires hanging over their roadways, and 1% for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts just to support their general budget, I guess. Um, and don't forget, now, Massachusetts also has a 5% um, uh, surcharge on satellite providers, too. So Dish TV, um, would they pay 5% of their gross revenues right to the Commonwealth, and none of that is shared with municipalities or community media because there's no wires hanging over the roadways and there's no local channels like uh, new TV. Um, so all of that goes directly to the Commonwealth. So cable has a 5% surcharge. Um, streaming would have a 5% surcharge if the bill passed. And so we, we've lost probably 27% of our cable subscribers here in Newton over the last five years. Um, and that's a, you know, results in a, a lot of revenue loss for new TV. So would that 2% um, you know, replace that? We're not sure. Um, but the municipality could also elect to take their 2% and send it to the community media center. Um, and we're hoping that happens here in Newton. Great, 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 great. And why can't we go further? I just want to again, once again, remind our viewers that we're, you're, if you're joining us on the live broadcast, we're live here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Right now, presently at this time, we are monitoring our Twitter feed. So if you have questions you'd like answered during the broadcast today, Head on over to Twitter. We'll be looking at YouTube in around five minutes or so from now. In the next few minutes, we'll switch over to YouTube. But for now, we're on Twitter uh, and we'll be monitoring YouTube at the towards the end of our broadcast. But let's move forward here now and let's talk really more in now that we've talked about present. Let's look towards the future with community media centers. We're, we're obviously seeing, as it seems like by day, things evolve uh, with technology. We've seen the... I. Uh, we've we've seen the way how community media centers continue to change from going, as you mentioned earlier, from public access to community media. What's next for community media centers as we as we look ahead uh, down the road? So I think the inevitability is going to be regional providers. Um, so as I said, there's 220 community media centers in Massachusetts, but as cord cutting continues, um, you know, there's, there's cord cutters, people that had cable and cut the cord and then there's cord nevers, right? It's your generation that may have never had cable, you know, they've never, you know, lived off of it, never got their entertainment or um, informational uh, programming through it. So 
Um, so as cable kind of disappears, I think, you know, if, if those streaming revenues don't replace the lost revenues in cable, you'll probably see some community media centers close um, in the, you know, smaller budget ones, the smaller communities. Um, and so you may end up seeing a regional provider. So let's say new TV became a regional provider for the area. Um, the studio and facilities would be available to more residents. You already see some of that happening um, in Massachusetts and outside of Massachusetts. Cape Cod Media Center, I think, services six to eight communities. Plymouth does that for four. Um, so you, you're starting to, you already started to see that happen before. And, and I think that will probably be the likelihood uh, in the future. And that's and that's for public educational and government services. At New TV, you you know we've already added a subsidiary right. for uh, full production work, right? We, you know we've done original programming, uh, won thirteen Emmys. Um, you know we have pilots that are now available for um, you know uh, distribution to other networks. Should you know another network want to purchase one of our pilots, they could do so. Uh, you know, we do corporate video work for Fortune 500 companies now. Um, you know, so we we have to broaden our our you know you know menu of services uh, to beyond just public educational and government services. Newton News has been active for many years, but you know, will we be a um, you know a regional provider of local news? That could happen as well. So, I think broadening our you know, features and, and level of services is key to our survival um, as cable cord cutting continues to happen at a, an alarming rate, actually. Very interesting. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, you, you were just alluding to what I was going to get into next here is with the other services like a station like UTV has to offer. Uh, how, how are more uh, the bigger, I guess, community media centers that have uh, are are there? In, is their intent to try to follow a similar model? Is that going to be for the bigger stations? Going to be the new model for community media stations as as time goes on to try to add more to to the station and more more services offered, or um, or stick with what it is now. So it, it's, it's, you know, for new TV since really 2010, you know, we've been heading in this direction uh, with the, you know, adding, um, you know, the production house kind of, um, um, you know, level of services where we do corporate video work. Um, you know, we've become a, not a, a just a community media center, we're, we're kind of a community center with a media flair, right? So right. You know, we have artwork hanging up in the hallways. Uh, we do art gal artist galleries here, wine and cheese. And, and, you know, every five weeks, the artwork gets changed out. We, we host events here. We have, you know, small um, uh, musical performances by, you know, Livingston Taylor or uh, others. Um, you know, we work on documentaries that are, you know, shown internationally um you know we contribute to that um so the, it, it, a lot of them if they haven't already headed there they're probably not going to be able to survive um like i said we've been doing it for 11 years so i think we've we found a niche um and created another age productions which is the for-profit subsidiary um they really need to get going if they haven't started already by adding all those other 
services and, and non-cable revenues. Um, and that was the game. The game was to replace cable revenues with non-cable revenues. You can't just wait for legislation to add streaming. You had to have been working on that already. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and some of them are, are doing it. We're getting the calls. They want to be new TV, um, but they're starting a little late. Um, you know, so we hope they make it, but uh, right. um, you know, some have been successful in making that transition earlier, but prior to the pandemic. But those that are trying to do it now, I, you know, I, I hope they make it. Right now, I, I, another big thing with a lot of community media centers is, as you also mentioned towards the beginning of the show, is the transit of having because with most people when they think of community media centers they think of the station like you mentioned on the local channel eight or channel nine the, at the standard level of a channel uh, i know like stations like new tv have already progressed to the fact with some of the cable companies to get hd channels is that also something that a lot that at a national level let's say is being considered what, what what is the prospect looking for getting the community media centers to have hd channels out there so people actually see the content that's coming out of community media centers yeah uh, you know that's been a battle for many years brian is to try to get on an hd channel so you know what we face uh, you know for verizon they gave us an hd channel uh and they put it on channel 2134 you know well, who's watching uh, <laughs> television on you know, the 2100 area, um, you know, so to, to that, we call that channel slamming, you know, it's one thing to give us an HE channel, but it, you slammed us into 2134, um, nobody's watching. So might as well still be mired down in the standard definition tier. If we're not going to be next to, you know, channel four, five, seven, Fox TV and, and you know, the local sports network uh, or GBH, um, public broadcasting, then nobody's really going to find us. And so it's really about us being a content provider uh, and getting it out on not only cable, on whether it's SD or HD channels, uh, but it's also you know, getting it on YouTube and Vimeo and, uh, and providing it, you know, uh, snippets on it uh, of, of our programs and, and teasers on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and every, everywhere we can um, to promote it. So I think if you... If you promote it on social media properly, um, you know they'll they'll find us. Whether you know, and but like I said, I think we have to be a content distributor um, and not just be a cable channel uh, like uh, you know like we were for many years. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I think another thing too that's been seen with community media centers, especially a station like New TV, which developed the fact which. I, I, which I think for myself, I've, I've seen it. I think I've heard others say the same is having uh, most of, if most, if not all of the content that you would regularly see on new TV, you see it also now on their, on the website, on, on demand available to watch at your leisure and your convenience. You don't have to go back in the day when you had to find exactly, go online to the website, find when that program was going to air and then get to your TV at that time to watch it. Now, I mean, is the availability of watching it online? Is this something that other stations are looking into as well to br bring their content online to make it more accessible to communities and to broaden the reach of people being able to see content? Yeah, I think as long as we're being paid, uh, you know, uh, from cable subscribers, you know, we have an obligation to provide free content um, to, you know, the people in Newt, right? 
Um, but those that don't have cable that are watching the local city council and school committee meetings and you know high school sports and staying in touch with their local community, they're not contributing to our revenues right now, our operating budget. Um, so we have to find a way that they will contribute in the future. Right. So let's say let's say the you know we put up on YouTube and and Vimeo the the latest you know three city council meeting or three sporting events or um, you know subcommittee meetings. Um, so that content would be available for free for those um, you know uh, internet sub subscribers or you know broadband users and. So, but after that, we're going to archive them and maybe there's a, you know, $1.99 a month, you know, membership fee that they have to pay to watch the archive content because, you know, we have to pay for that. We have to pay Vimeo or, or AWS for, you know, archiving right. all that data, that video data. So, and it gets expensive. And so that, you know, line item in our budget is growing because the demand is still there. So in order to support the expenses associated, the costs associated with archiving, we'll probably have to do some something uh, where there's a you know a monthly membership fee or annual membership fee for those online viewers. But um, you know the the latest three would be for free, um, and then the archive stuff would be uh, you know a fee based. Right. Okay. Well, that make I think that makes common sense. Uh, again, I just want to remind our viewers one last time today that if you are joining, if you're watching during our lot or joining us during our live broadcast, we're live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And right now, at the present time, we are monitoring the YouTube feed. So, if you have questions you'd like to ask about community media, the future of community media, and you're on YouTube at this time, now is the time to do it within the last few minutes of the broadcast today. Uh, thinking ahead and how we, we see uh, a station, I mean, and, and I've been into many community media centers myself, and we see stations that have developed like new TV going from a small facility into a big facility. What, what how for community media centers, I mean, is the goal, I guess, in mind to see more community media centers try to grow over these next, especially with this pandemic. I assume that this pandemic led to growth of, for community media centers much more significantly difficult than it would be if we did not have this pandemic get in the way. Um, would I be correct in thinking that, that with the COVID-19 pandemic getting in the way of growth for community media? Yeah, it has been, obviously. I mean, there are a lot that have, uh leases so you know we're in a office building brian you know our location so you know we have a, a an office condo that we we own we don't own it yet because the bank still owns it but we're paying a mortgage payment not a lease payment or rent payment and a lot of community media centers around massachusetts around the country are actually paying leases um to be in the space that they're in so some of them have made a conscious decision to to reduce the size of their footprint, um, you know, to cut down on their expenses, and and I and I get that. Um, so I, I think the pandemic has put them in a position where they don't have these large studios any longer because nobody's coming in. So their their studio and control room might uh, might look more like an office size rather than a, a large studio size. Um, so I think that's happening, uh, and and that's you know. We owe that to the pandemic, but moving, you know, back to a society where people are actually able to 
you know, come together again. Um, and I think that day is coming. Um, you know, we have to be ready for what does that bring? We definitely see Zoom and, and virtual um, participation as something that'll stay for a while. Uh, so we have to accommodate that. And, and we're, we're, our equipment budgets are changing, Brian, because the normal, you know, retrofit everything that we have in the studio and edit right. suites and, and, and our training center with eight desktop computers and everything, we're doing webinars now. So maybe we don't need that training center. We're, okay. you know, we're buying equipment that will facilitate hybrid meetings on Zoom or, um, or Teams or whatever, we're, you know, product that we're going to use with the city um, in towns in the area. You know, so we're providing, putting equipment up that will facilitate those virtual or hybrid meetings of the future. Um, so our capital budget, our approaches are different um, as a result of the pandemic. But, you know, we see, we see a day where, you know, the facility will, will be thriving again and it'll be, a lot of people will be in here um, utilizing uh, our services. So, Absolutely. we hope. Yes, I can only hope. <laughs> I think we're getting there. Well, it's amazing uh, to think that we have already reached the, the end of our fast 40-minute broadcast here. Again, want to thank Bob Kelly, of, uh, Executive Director of UTV, for joining me today. For our viewers that live in the Newton area that are watching this, if you are a Newton, Massachusetts resident and would like to learn more about New TV and more about this amazing facility, then you can visit their website at www.newtv.org or give the station a call at 617-965-7200. Personally, from my over 15 years of experience involved with the station, I can say that if you are, that it is an impressive station and if you are someone you, you know that someone you know that is interested in the video production and again lives in the Newton area, check out the facility. It's worth it. Once this pandemic is over and you can get back in there and, and do things like you we did before the, this pandemic, you won't be disappointed. I can guarantee that. Um, I also want to say that if you have questions or comments or would like to submit ideas for future episodes of the for the podcast. You can email me at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-I-V-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you again to Bob for joining me on this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast, and we'll see you for the next episode very soon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast. To learn more about this episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also listen to this podcast in its entirety on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, New TV, and many more of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.